Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine, and this week, for sure, the Golden Hurricast will be about 30 minutes, so let's get started. For sure, asterisk, asterisk, hopefully, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Stay golden. Hurricane. Yeah, so, um, first things first, Matt, we got, I noticed right before we started recording, I was looking at just overall stats on Tulsa, and you might be surprised, maybe not, maybe you already knew this, I, I didn't know this, Brandon Rochelle is leading the team in four of the five, like, main stat categories now, uh, all of them except assists, Elijah Joyner leading the team with 3.4, but Brandon Rochelle leading us in points, rebounds, steals, and blocks uh, on the year, so four of the five uh, at least the main categories that ESPN surfaces up for you when you're looking at the stats page. Uh, Brandon Rochelle across the board on all of them, except for assists. Yeah, I mean, I make, it makes sense. He's definitely been the most consistent and just kind of like the overall um, like leader of the team this year for you know ups and downs. It's just kind of like a lot of it, I feel like, comes back to how he's doing. And so no one else is really consistent enough, I feel like, yeah, it's close. Like I would say, I'd say Joiner's been pretty consistent all year, also, um, and Darian Jackson, but they, he doesn't get nearly the the number of minutes that those two guys get. But um, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I think Rochelle probably has the edge there, but I think Joiner has certainly been in the conversation in terms of consistency. He's always there for it seems like between eight and ten points a game, and then more, you know, sometimes. But uh, he's been, I think, he's been there as well. Okay, so just want to start things off with um, something I tweeted out last week, just in terms of it being kind of a tale of two seasons, right? So we're 20 games in, so it's a nice clean split down the middle at 10 games before and then 10 games after, and it's been pretty pretty clean split uh, with how those have gone, uh, which is why I want to talk about this. So the first 10 games, right, we were 7-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in conference. We had wins in that stretch. We had That, that was like where the six-game win streak happened. Uh, wins over number five Houston, Memphis, which we then beat later also. Um, first win at Cincinnati, like in Cincinnati in forever. That was a big deal. So, man, like hot start, right? Everyone remembers things were going really well <laughs> at that point in the year. We were talking about NCAA tournament chances and also things like um, whether this was the going to be like the best, you know, football into spring single season in forever and i feel like right when we were talking about that as soon as i mentioned that it (laughs) dropped it kind of tanked i think that's right at the end of when our win streak kind of ended and oh boy that is that was bad timing so like these first 10 games so good right and then these last 10 games totally different story where so first 10 seven and three these last 10 the exact opposite three and seven obviously those are all conference games uh lost to houston who we had previously beaten uh in that first 10 we lost to them by 27 Lost pretty bad, uh, you know, around the double-digit mark each to a, a pretty poor Temple and Tulane team. Um, just a totally – it's like a mirror image of the first 10 to the last 10. So my question to start off this episode for you is, like, what's behind this, right? You know, it could be – there's a lot of things going on. Obviously, COVID is still happening. Guys aren't seeing their families. Um, 
lots of stuff going on. We who knows what they're dealing with in the background. It's a weird season, right? So that's that's one. Uh, we had a really long road stretch in the middle there. Um, you know, we didn't play particularly poorly during that road stretch, honestly. So I wouldn't think that that was contributing to how we're playing now, especially with these last several games being all home games and we're losing them for the most part. But maybe they never really recovered from being on the road for that long and it's just hitting them now. Um, you know, and the, and the other thing before I, I give you a chance to, to say what you think, Matt, like I, we spent so much time, me particularly, I think, uh, but really both of us um, hammering on like the amount of threes we were taking early early in the season and how we thought that, that was contributing to our losses. Because it did for, you know, the, in those first 10 games, the losses came primarily in games where we shot a lot of threes. Uh, and I took another look at that, right? And I think I have to concede that that's not really the biggest problem after so much time focusing on that. Uh, we took an average of 20.7 threes in this bad 10-game stretch, this most recent 10 games, 20.7. And during our good stretch, we actually averaged more threes a game, 21.5 a game. So, you know, competition's a little bit different in this back half. Uh, it's just tough to know what do, you, what, what do you think is going on and why do you think this last 10 has been so different than the first 10? Um, I don't – it just – so I'll say first, I think – the identity of the team is just kind of different in the last 10 games. Part of it is it seems like we can't really find that fifth starter or Frank Haith can't decide on who that's going to be on a like given week. You know, we've cycled through Curtis Haywood. We've cycled through Keyshawn Williams last uh, week against Temple. And then uh, this week we had Keyshawn Embry Simpson. So it mm-hmm. seems like we just don't really have a lot of consistency on like who's going to get the start. And I think that's part of it um, because we've kind of just come out of the gate a little uninspired in a lot of these games. Uh, You saw kind of the opposite of that against Cincinnati this last week where we came out, you know, putting it to them early uh, and then kind of towards the end of the first half is when things started to drop off a little bit. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, put up 27 points after the 10 minute mark Mm -hmm. where we only put 15. So it kind of just stalled late later in that one. Um, so I think that's part of it. And I don't know if that's just people are tired of Frank Hayes system. I don't, you know, curious to see how it is on the coaching, but like we don't, we're not very efficient on offense. And that's just kind of, I know we've talked about it a lot in the first half of the year. Like that was still the case, but our defense more than made up for it. And now it seems like our defense like can't keep up with, how inefficient our offense is like the defense has dropped off just enough to where now we're losing these games <laughs> instead of pulling them off like smu i feel like we lose by two that could have been a winnable game if we were more efficient uh, ucf only lost by seven uh cincinnati you know you lose on a heartbreaker at the end of the game so these are all games where they're kind of coin flips and we were taking some of those early you know we beat houston by one first time we played them we beat cincinnati by four on like a very uh, competitive last couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And now it just seems like the uh, the luck and the clutch <laughs> that we had, especially on defense in yeah. the first half of the season, is just kind of like it sometimes it just doesn't land. And so that's really kind of what what's been happening, it seems like. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you're, I think you're totally right. And part of that, I think, you know, you can point fingers at coaching, which, you know, there is something to be said for coaching this year for sure. And But you can point fingers at defense has fallen off, you know, competition's gotten better the second half, whatever. 
I think the bottom line here is that we're just not good on offense, and there's no getting around that. We have underperformed significantly on the offensive side of the ball, um, particularly with how we thought Curtis Haywood and Keyshawn Embry Simpson were going to be coming in after both of those guys were here last year. Remember, they were just on the bench. You know, they had to, mm-hmm. they had to sit out because of the transfer rule, and so. We had the, it's not like they came in fresh, had to get to know the team and everything. They were around for a year. The thought was they'd be able to roll on to the starting lineup. Uh, probably both, you know, I think the first game of the year, they both started, right? The idea was like, we're going to be pretty powerful offensively because we've got these two good three-point shooters that are going to be starting, you know, game one, right? And I think it's pretty fair to say both those guys have underperformed compared to, I think, how most people thought it was going to go. And that has really hurt us. We are really bad on offense. We're 278th in scoring offense. That's out of 340. Our three-point percentage, which we've been talking about all year, uh, we have taken you know a, a fewer amount of them. I think uh, compared to the first couple games, you know, we started off shooting them all the time. Uh, but three-point percentage is 317th out of 340. 29.60%. That is now we were you know floating near the bottom of the conference in that stat for a while. Uh, we are now the worst in the conference. Uh, Cincinnati is ahead of us by like point, you know, oh four or something. Um, but we're last in the American in three point percentage now, and the American is not a good three point shooting league, so that is pretty rough. Three hundred seventeenth overall, like I said, out of three hundred forty. Um, defensively, we are good, right? Scoring defense, thirty ninth in the country. That's that's fantastic, allowing sixty four point two points a game. Uh, three-point defense though which is where we've gotten beat several times um like cincinnati you know we can talk about this in a second but uh cincinnati in the first half shot like almost 50 percent from the three-point line and they shoot under 30 percent on the year like i said they are second they were last the reason they're not last in the conference and three-point shooting anymore is because they just smoked us in the three-point game when we played head-to-head last game and so now all of a sudden they got the edge on us in three-point percentage so we are 214th in three-point defense. Teams make, on average, 34.1% of their threes against us. So it's it's just we just ha- – we're just not very good. I think that's all there is to it, you know. All this finger-pointing is fun to do. But, like, we have – offensively, we're not good. And then defensively, we're good internally, and we slow the game down enough to keep teams from scoring very much. Uh, but we're not good on three-point defense, and we're just not good enough offensively to win these games, you know, late, later down the stretch. And I think teams have kind of figured out how we play, and we haven't been able to overcome that later in the season. Okay, so let's uh, move on, talk a little bit about this since a game that we've been uh, talking about. Um, little uh, record and stat ranking update stuff real quick. Uh, we are 10-10 and 10 overall now, 7-8, and eight, back to a losing record in the American, which hurts. Uh, but 10 and 10 overall, 113 in Ken Palm, 116 in the net. Very little movement there uh, compared to last week. Um, Selection Sunday is in 14 days, March 14th. Uh, we're recording on Sunday, so two weeks exactly from now. Um, not expecting us to be in the field, uh, barring a huge, you know, awesome push in the in the conference tournament that we win. That's the only only possible chance, obviously, at this point. Uh, okay, so let's talk some Cincinnati. So we played them on Wednesday, uh, the 24th. Lost by one, right? It sucked. I mean, that that was brutal. It was senior night. It was at, at home here in Tulsa. Uh, fans couldn't go. Friends and family were there uh, to support the seniors. But, man, that that is a bad way to go out on senior night. I felt really bad for the guys, especially Joyner and Rochelle, who have played so, so, so well all year. And, and Darian Jackson, I don't wanna, I absolutely didn't mean to leave him out there. He's also one of, the, one of my favorite players on the team, one of my t- favorite Tulsa players in general in the last several years. Uh, Ugbo didn't play very much. Um, let me see what his minutes were in this game. 
he had one or no seven okay so seven minutes um didn't play much the other three guys honestly played played well in this game uh especially early um and then joiner played great the entire game really um and i've got a lot of things to say about joiner and rochelle at the end of this game so i guess we'll just cut to the chase there uh how this game ended lost by one right wild finish at the end uh, a couple offensive fouls going both ways down the stretch. We had one ch- called against us, and then we took one on the other end, kind of a redemption call there. That was super crazy, and this is all in the last, like, minute or two minutes. All this stuff is happening. Um, back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, final seconds, right? I think there were, like, 15 seconds left in this game. We're up by one, and we're taking the ball out on our baseline, um, and Cincinnati needs to foul. They need to foul so we can, tr- they can, you know, the, the standard get us to shoot free throws, hope that we miss, they go try to win the game. They need to foul us. So since he's in a full court press, we inbound the ball to Brandon Rochelle, you know, senior leader. We want the ball in his hands for the most part at this, at this point in the, any game. Um, so we get it to him. He gets trapped. So two guys come over to him. They need to foul, but they're going to, they're playing hard defense, seeing if they can make something happen. And then Rochelle, you know, like, He's stuck there. He tries to get it back to Joiner, uh, throws it over his head, um, but it gets tipped immediately. Uh, I think it was Micah Adam Mike, Micah Adams Woods from Cincinnati, tipped it right to Davenport for Cincy. Davenport's right at the bucket, makes an easy layup. All of a sudden, Cincinnati's up one. Right? I mean, it was awful, and I like, I I can complain about it, but like it. It just, that's kind of where the ball needed to go. I wanted the ball in Rochelle's hands at that point. You know, he's he's usually pretty good in terms of leading the team late. If anybody's going to turn it over, it probably, you know, I, I would rather have it in Brandon Rochelle's hands than most of the team at that point. So I'm not complaining there, but he just, just you know, it's a tough mistake. He's, he's beating himself up about it, I'm sure, still. Um, and then he's trying to get it to our other senior leader, Elijah Joyner, and he just didn't get it there. And then, you know that ends up happening and like how many times i mean i don't know if this is just my biasness uh and how i'm currently feeling about the current head coaching situation but it just seems like there have been many times in the past where like frank haith has not been able to design plays to get Mm -hmm. um like when we're when we're ahead to get out of this full court press like you you look back at like the south florida game uh from last year where we were up by like 10 and they just kept like we kept turning it over mm-hmm. within like a minute and somehow we went to over almost went to overtime. I know. <laughs> like um, I, I think the, you know, one of the things I thought of when you said Haith doesn't have the plays out of there, the, the one that I can remember the late Wich- that did yeah, work. The Wichita State. Yeah. But there were only like four seconds left. Right. So we could just chuck it down the floor. Is that, is that the game that that happened? We just threw it deep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we, you know, there's, if there's only that much time, then yeah, you know, Haith drew up something good. We just throw it down the court, and you know, by the time they get to the ball, the game's over. But yeah, you're right. For this one, it was just we kind of threw it into no man's land. He got trapped in basically the corner, and then couldn't get it out to Joiner. Coffin corner. Yeah, man. Oh God. Every time, every time last year when we put it in the corner like that, it it was just we'd either turn it over or just it was so hard to get anything out of it, and it just seems like that's a lot of what he did, what Frank Haith has designed. Mm. And so it like put Rochelle in a bad situation and then, you know, just makes something that's very like uncharacteristic of the, you know, type of player that he's been. And it just leads to such a shitty ending. Yeah, for real. And, you know, so, okay. So like Davenport, 
uh, hits the shot, you know, hits the layup. They go up one, 70 to 69. We've got a chance. Uh, you know, there there was time left, you know, six seconds or something at, the, at that point. Uh, so plenty of time to get down the court and try to make something happen. Uh, we call a timeout. We get the ball into Rochelle again. I, actually, I don't know if – I don't think it went directly to Rochelle. But Rochelle ended up with the ball, you know, with five seconds left. And, you know, I understand – Rochelle being the one to try to win the game, right? He's done it. He he did it against Houston. He won that game for us, hit the two free throws at the end of the game. That seemed like what we were trying to do again. He took it in there, uh, tried to draw some contact and get a foul. Um, didn't get it, obviously. Didn't didn't get to the line and have a chance to hit any free throws. But I understand the idea um, because it's worked before, and he's a good player. You know, and There's a good chance that he makes that shot regardless of a foul or not. Uh, he got a good look pretty much. Um, and I understand that, but my complaint here is like Rochelle had had a fine game. It wasn't anything special. He he had 14 points overall. He was five for 15 from the floor though, which isn't terrible, but you know, there's another guy in the court who was clearly the player of this game and that's Joyner. He, he had played great all game. His, it, you know, it's Rochelle senior night too. It's also Joyner senior night, whatever. I guess that's not an argument, but like he had played so well, five of 10 overall, two for three from the three point line, 10 for 13 from the free throw line. The guy's been drawing contact all game, right? If you're trying to get somebody to get to the line or to ice it for you, there's, there's no argument, you know, of why it wasn't Joyner. He's also hit the clutch shots for us. Obviously the big one being the Wichita state game winner last year. Um, he's got clutch in his veins, man. And when I think of like a clutch player on this team, he's the first one I think of. So I don't know, you know, hindsight is absolutely 2020 here, but it just seems like he would have been the right guy to have the ball at this point in the game with the kind of game he was playing. So I don't know. Did you think it should have been Rochelle? Did you think Joyner was the guy there? What what were your thoughts on that last shot? Uh, I mean, I think it should have been Joyner. Uh, I mean, he's the one, like you said, Wichita state last year. And then also, I mean, he won it for us against South Florida. Like he has Mm -hmm. that, um, like clutch factor, if you will. And he was, like you said, easily the hottest hand on the team. Yeah. Like he wasn't missing shots, especially towards the end. I mean, what the last like five minutes, he had five points to kind of just keep (laughs) keep the score tied. Yeah. Huge three there late. Yeah. Tie it up at 67. Like I, uh, I don't know, I guess because I mean, what Rochelle, we got it up all the way to the key. And so you kind of would expect that to be like Rochelle's probably better there, but it, we didn't know there was not a good look from what we had. So I think it should have ended up in, jo- in Joyner's hands. Yeah. I think, I think he probably could have gotten a better look than the shot we took. Yeah. Agreed. And again, it's kind of a hindsight 2020 thing, but I think, I think you're right, man. He had been fighting it all day. And when he wasn't finding it, he was getting fouled and going to the line and making those free throws. I mean, it just seemed like the right call, but you know, easy to say uh post game but he it did seem like for a long time it felt like for the last you know two or three minutes he hardly touched that ball i was like man this guy's been on fire and all of a sudden he's non-existent i don't know it was it was weird so that, that i mean it would have been it would have been storybook if like i, I mean know. no fans but final game at home wins on another yeah. buzzer beater like clutch shot that would have been <laughs> i know kind of just the you know the cherry on top of his career playing at the reynolds center absolutely Oh, well, um, hopefully, you know, they get a chance to come back, uh, next year. I really hope that at least some of those guys do, who knows, you know, I could see, I could see Joyner coming back. I could see Darian Jackson coming back. I could, I could see Rochelle not because I, I bet he could probably go play pro somewhere overseas or something right now. Uh, who knows? Right. But I don't know. I, I hope some of them do. Cause those, we got some talent, uh, on that senior class, obviously. Um, so we'll see what happens, but 
regardless, uh, tough loss on senior night. I did lose a beer bet with Go Beer Cats on Twitter. Uh, we got in touch before the game. Um, we bet a local city beer care package. So I'm going to have to figure out uh, which ones I want to buy and send to him. I'm thinking uh, I'll do some kind of little custom six-pack thing and send it to him. Definitely going to do the Tulsa flag by Dead Armadillo just because I have to do that one. And then the other ones, though, open to suggestions, right? Maybe I'll put something on Twitter. Um, but, you know, I definitely want to do something from Marshall. If possible, I know they just had the fire. So uh, thoughts to them. I don't know how that's – I don't know really what the fallout was. I haven't followed up on that. But um, something from there just because they're a classic, you know, maybe Welltown, American Solera, Prairie, something like that. But we will see. Uh, I'm excited to, like – you know, if I have to give six beers to any person to like show them what Tulsa beer is like, what am I going to do? Right. So that's what I'm going to try to put together. Nice. Okay. Um, so player of the week, uh, probably both agree on this one. We don't have to spend very much time on it for sure. Josh early, baby one minute, zero for zero zeros across the board. Very nice. (laughs) When we played, we played so well early in this game. Yeah. Yeah, man. There you go. Uh, yes, mine was also Josh Early. Just kidding. It was Elijah Joyner. Um, we spent enough time talking about it. I don't, you know, we're, he, he's the man. Like, tied his career high at 22 points. Like I said, shot 50% from the field, two for three from three. Awesome from the free throw line. Played his ass off as usual. It's his calling card. Um, he always just works so hard and unfortunately not rewarded for it on senior night. So that hurts. Again, hope he comes back next year. But it, mine goes to Joyner. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. In agreement, for sure. Elijah Joyner, definitely player of the game. I mean, he was, if you look at Kempom, the MVP for the losing team, uh, which you know, is rare to get <laughs> yeah. to get that, which just kind of shows the impact he had on the court. I mean, 22 points, 127 offensive rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, was super clutch from the line, super clutch from behind the arc. Uh, six rebounds. I mean, he just had a hell of a game, both like from the box score and just like from the eye test it was yeah would have been amazing had we won it would have been just like the perfect cap to uh his season you know in tulsa and also just kind of like give a little bit more uh excitement going towards the end of the year and now we're just kind of like i'm i mean i don't know about you but i'm very sad and pessimistic about uh the rest of this basketball season yeah, I mean, not feeling great. We only have, what, two more regular season games and, you know, TBD on how the tournament goes. Uh, but postseason play seems out of the question at this point. So, yeah, it's it's coming down to a, a rough ending here. Is it just – did we uh, – we have, like, a regular season game that we tossed in on Thursday, right? Yeah, so we have two – probably two left total because uh, SMU just canceled their game on Thursday mm. with Cincinnati. So everyone is – you know, Kelly Hines put out a thing saying the reason we scheduled this Northeastern State game, which we're about to talk about uh, for Thursday, is probably because SMU – we're likely gotcha. going to have that canceled because SMU's got some COVID issues going on again, which is killing hmm. them. It's really – killing their chances of making the tournament, man. Like they had very slim chance to get there anyway, but like they missed a game. They were supposed to play yesterday or maybe today. I think yesterday against Wichita state that guy canceled that had, that's huge, yeah. right? Whoever wins that yeah. one takes another step up getting close. So that really hurts the conference. And if they don't play, like they finish with 15 games plus whatever their yeah. uh, conference tournament. Ugh, I know there's a, you know, people are thinking that they might not play again until the conference tournament, which I mean, that makes sense, right? If we're going to, if they're going to cancel both games this week, that's going to, that's going to be what happens. 
Um, okay, so yeah, we do have two games though, so we'll talk about those. We're not going to talk about SMU because I'm going to assume that that is being canceled. Uh, so first up is UCF um, Tuesday the second, uh, 6 p.m. on ESPNU. Um, UCF, really weird team. Uh, they have done some good things this year. Obviously, they beat Auburn early in the year. They beat Florida State early in the year. Uh, very weird season from them. Uh, we did play them once already. We lost. Not great, not a great game in that one. Um, mm-hmm. They are their talent. I mean, their their record is is not that good. Uh, but they're a talented team. I don't want to take away from them. Like they're they're pretty much the same as us. They're nine and eight overall now. Um, I think. Wait, is that what they were when we played them? Let me see what they are now. No, they're eight and eleven overall. Yeah. Yep. Uh, seventh in the American. But they are talented. Like they have they they really tanked. They had a COVID pause and it really like just destroyed them. And then they've slowly, it seems like they're kind of getting back on track now. They've won four of their last six games. Uh, they lost seven of eight after that COVID pause um, around, you know, late December, early January. Uh, but like I said, they started the year, they beat Auburn and Florida, a ranked Florida State team. So there's certainly talent on this team. For whatever reason, that COVID pause just destroyed them. And now it seems like they might be slowly getting back on track. And there's talent on the team, right? They've got some senior guards who are really good. Darius Perry is their leading scorer now. Uh, their other kind of – the guy who was leading them in scoring earlier in the year, Brandon Mahan, another senior guard, is second in scoring. Uh, Darren Green, who I always think of as, like, the three-point weapon, he's actually third on the team now in three-point in three point percentage. Uh, Mahan leads them in three-pointers in, – or in three-point percentage now. Um they're good. Like they, they are not a bad team. They're well coached by Johnny Dawkins. I, you know, with them winning for their last six, I would not be surprised at all if we lost this game. They're a good team. I, I, I do not look at this game as like, oh, it's UCF. They have a losing record, and we're definitely going to beat them. It's not even close. Like I, I mean, I would. I don't uh, think I, you can do that with yeah. any game at this point. We've lost to Temple. Yeah. We've lost to Tulane. Very uh, true. I mean, ECU maybe. Who, yeah. Who have we? I feel like. A lot of our games that we've played against somebody with a losing record have not been great for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, if I, if I were – I don't know what the spread is or what it's going to be. I don't think there is one out on this one yet. But, like, if we're favored in this, I might take UCF. To, I mean, I hate saying we're, that out loud. I'm a freaking – I do a Tulsa podcast. I want to be a Tulsa fan. But, like, we, I, I'm just not inspired by this team. Yeah, I can't see a world where we're favored on the road against UCF. Like they're higher than us by like almost twenty points in Ken Palm. I don't know where we Whoa, stand. Whoa, are they really? What them. are they? Yeah, they're they're ninety six in Ken Palm. Oh wow! Yeah, you're right. So okay, like, yeah, we're, we're definitely not going to be favored then. <laughs> but yeah, this is a game. I mean, I see us losing. Like unless yeah. some something changes in the way we play, something changes in how we run our offense which is not going to happen. Frank Haith is not going to make that change. <laughs> yeah. um, like, I don't I don't see us winning this game. Mm-hmm. But somehow, um, we will finish in, what, like 6th or 7th in the conference still, uh, which just kind of blows my mind. Uh, and it's kind of just like, the <laughs> yeah. bottom is not great because right. like we started really strong, and then we've just kind of been dropping conference games all over the place and dropped from, what, 3rd to like 6th? Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah, man, it's that hot start keeping us keeping Frank Haith alive potentially. Uh, but we will see what happens there. Uh, okay, so after UCF on Tuesday, we do have that other one. We scheduled it just a couple days ago against uh, D two Northeastern State. That is going to be Thursday the fourth at noon. 
Not sure about TV. If that's even going to be on TV, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't since it's been scheduled so late. I feel like it's not going to be. Yeah, so probably not, but you'll probably be able to catch it on the radio um, or on TuneIn or whatever. Uh, But yeah, Northeastern State, D2 team. They are the Riverhawks. We've played them in past years uh, from here in Oklahoma. They are 5-17 and at the D2 level, which is (laughs) pretty pretty terrible. Uh, They are coming off a win against Rogers State, I saw. So... Never count them out, I suppose. I mean, if we want to put the nail on Frank Hates coffin, maybe hope for a win, hope for a loss here. Uh, but no, I'm not gonna. I would never. I would never do that. That's uh, no, no, no. I, I totally wouldn't think that. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> we are playing them on Thursday. So uh, tune in to that, I suppose. You All right. Deep deep dive into their roster or anything? You didn't uh, look at the key <laughs> players on D2 on SU is? No, I, <laughs> I pass on that one. I'm, I'll blame it on uh, us being almost at 30 minutes, so I, we have to skip that for this time. But, yeah, yeah no, I, told, I totally didn't look into them at all, other than their yeah. record, which is uh, worse than I thought it would have been. All right, so quick look around the conference. There weren't that many crazy games this week. Uh, weren't that many games in general. Lots of postponements again, which is just killing me because, man, we've had some fun ones when they've been played, but it's been a weird year for the American. Um, Wednesday, the 24th, Temple beat UCF. <laughs> Temple beat USF, sorry, by 18 in Tampa. Like, what is happening to South Florida, man? Oh, my gosh. Like, what is that head coach? Is it Brian Gregory, I think? Um I thought he was a good hire when he came, but, man, he just does not seem to be getting it done over there. They have talent on that team. Uh, but, man, Temple beating you by 18 at home, that sounds like a Tulsa move right there. That is, that is rough. Uh, and then also on Wednesday, Memphis beat Tulane by 15. That was kind of expected. It wasn't in Tulane. Tulane's been kind of turning it on recently, so that, that's kind of a wider margin than maybe I would have thought, but Memphis is pretty good. Um, Thursday, this was kind of the most fun game of the week here. Uh, Houston had scheduled another game. I think they were supposed to play SMU or something. It got canceled. Some game got canceled, so they scheduled a non-conference game. And so they scheduled a good one, you know, kind of risky on Houston's part uh, to do this. But they scheduled the, the presumably the number one seed in the Conference USA tournament, uh, Western Kentucky. So a pretty good Conference USA team in WKU and beat them by 24. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> that, that, that looks really good for Houston. If they're trying to, you know, kind of cement themselves into that three seed bubble, uh, maybe move themselves up to a two seed if they go, if they win the conference tournament, you know, stuff like that. Um, this was a good game to schedule. A good on them for scheduling, you know, not being scared to schedule a pretty solid team, a team that likely will make the tournament because they're, you know, not maybe not likely, but have a good chance at winning their conference and then making the tournament. Um, that's cool. Good on Houston for doing that. Uh, Friday the 26th, Cincinnati beat Tulane by 20 uh, at home in Cincinnati. So that makes sense there, uh, kind of. I mean, Cincy. I mean, we'll see if the Bearcats are really back on track here because they, you know, beat us and then beat Tulane. Currently, they're playing Memphis. Let me look at the score of that. Memphis basketball. Oh, so it just ended. It must have just ended like a few minutes ago. Um, Since he played Memphis in Cincinnati today, and this was a good one to see, like, are they really kind of finding themselves here? Uh, but they lost to Memphis by six. Um, still, I do think they are improving. Uh, they're playing a lot more of their young guys recently. So maybe John Brandon on to something with that young squad. Uh, but, yeah, lost today to Memphis. Um, also happening today, Houston plays USF in Houston. And then, yeah, so that SME-Wichita State game was supposed to be today, Sunday, uh, that I mentioned before that with the big uh, conference implications. But um, that has been postponed due to COVID issues by SMU, like I mentioned. 
All right. Uh, so several kind of cool notes, just final things to, to comment on uh, that I wanted to bring up before moving on. Um, start off with a really cool tweet I saw from Dane Evans, I think retweeted it. And that's how I saw it at first. But incoming quarterback, Braylon Braxton, probably remember him from uh, if you've followed along with signing day or anything like that. We talked about him a little bit as well. Uh, big time recruit coming in next year for us, quarterback, uh, dual threat kind of guy. Um, Dane Evans tweeted a picture of him, uh, of Dane himself and Braylon, and then like three other guys working out together at the old school quarterback, uh, event, like not events, but program, I guess you can call it old school quarterback is like a, a quarterback training program. Uh, Dane was working with them when he was preparing for the NFL after his senior year and all that stuff. He's been working with them. Uh, I've seen, you know, just on and off throughout ever since he left uh, Tulsa. So very cool to see Dane and Braylon Braxton, you know, on the same field together, working with the guys that Dane worked with when he was trying to make it in the pros. Uh, and then there were also some other guys there, former Cincy quarterback Hayden Moore, which you might remember uh, just from playing against Cincinnati for several years. He was their starter for a couple of those. Um, Hayden Moore actually backed up Dane in Hamilton for the Tiger Cats. So they're working together uh, with that old school QB. And then another CFL quarterback, I think for the Alouettes, Matt Schiltz and then a Colts reserve quarterback, Jalen Morton. So all those guys, and then Braylon Braxton. I mean, that's exciting, you know, stuff like that. It's cool. You know, I like seeing what the young guys are doing. Uh, somehow, I don't know how they got in touch with old school quarterback or how Braylon got in touch with them, but fun to see, you know, that's, that's cool stuff. Um, probably the biggest non-basketball news this week, uh, Tulsa defensive backs coach, Aaron Fletcher, hired by Mizzou for the same position. So he's going to go be the DB coach for Mizzou. Um, huge loss for Tulsa. Uh, you know, everyone has known about him in our program for a long time. I think he's kind of flown under the radar for a while, even though we've had such talented backs for several years now. Uh, NFL caliber guys, obviously. Um, and, you know, usually when these guys get hired by some big school, they do write, you know, maybe something nice, a tweet that just says thanks or whatever. Um, Aaron Fletcher proving that he is just the man writes this whole, basically like a love letter to the university and to the city of Tulsa. It's, it's, it's pretty long, right? I mean, it was really, really nice. Giving shout outs to all kinds of people that he's worked with here. Um, TU administration, people he's met around town. Uh, and then primarily, you know, one of the biggest things he leaves his legacy, you know, was the, that legacy game. He started you know, last year for football, Matt, um, like the only home game we went to was that East Carolina game. Uh, and he, that was the legacy game. Remember? And that there was a whole thing about uh, honoring the history of black wall street and remembering the tragedy of the uh, 1921 Tulsa race massacre. And that was all the focus of that game. And that's not just a one game thing. That's like, that's, that's a yearly tradition. Now it's, I think, uh, well, let me see. It happens the second home game of the year, every year. So he leaves that behind. That was totally started. That was his idea from the jump. And he ran with that and totally built on it. So he started that, you know, all kinds of stuff. He took the team on a tour through the Greenwood district. Absolutely is leaving a huge legacy about action and change and meaningful things you can do to impact your community. That guy's been all around for several years. Uh, so Mizzou's getting a good one for sure. I mean, in terms of a coach, obviously, uh, has produced incredible athletes <laughs> at, at the CB and the defensive backs positions for us. Um, and then also as a person, I mean, that is, that's pretty incredible. So, I mean, good for him. Mizzou is a cool job going to the sec. Uh, I, I'll be paying attention right as a Mizzou fan, but it hurts to have him leaving Tulsa. Yeah. I feel like it definitely hurts. Um, just like 
our team in general to lose him on top of, you know, running backs coaches also both of them move mm-hmm. on to the SEC, you know, which is, I think, a strong in, uh, indication of like just how good our assistants were. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people didn't really, um, you know, Tulsa, we're small, we have a small profile kind of thing, but like our coaches are moving on to pretty big <laughs> programs and like one of the biggest conferences, like probably like, I mean, arguably the biggest conference in the, in the country. So like, this is, uh, awesome. And I'm really happy for them to uh, get that opportunity, but it's also like, uh, now I'm a little worried. I'm like, how much is, uh, how much is it Gillespie? How much is it yeah. the guys that are under Gillespie? Right. Yeah, it's true. And so, yeah, we haven't heard about, you know, any replacement for Aaron Fletcher at the DB spot. Haven't heard about, uh, Justin Hill for the running backs. We did also lose, uh, also Matt, you meant, you said it was, uh, SEC for the running back coach. That was actually the defensive line coach, Jermile Ashley. He went to Arkansas. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he no. went to the and Rangers. that's, yeah. The, um, and that, that's honestly, I think even more like to lose two of our defensive mm-hmm. uh, assistants to the SEC is huge because yeah. that is, uh, they're kind of known for defense down, down for there. sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, losing all those guys, the only one we, we do know one now. So we do have one replacement. We still don't have replacements for, Fletcher at the DB spot or Hill at the running back spot, but defensive line coach Jermile Ashley, like I said, left for Arkansas. That was several weeks ago at this point. Um, we did, we do have one hire now to fill that spot. So we hired defensive line coach, Jesse Williams, who I had not heard of before this, to be honest with you. Uh, but he's been around, right? So he's, he's certainly been around. He's been coaching for 32 years. Um, all, and this is the surprising part about this, all 32 years that he's been a coach, he's been a defensive line coach. There's been no movement in terms of moving up or moving down or anything. It's been defensive line all the way down, right? It is pretty wild. So 32 years, D line coach, he's been at 11 schools for those 32 years where we are his 12th school started off at his alma mater, Sonoma state, went to a whole bunch of other ones. Uh, big, bigger schools there include Colorado state, Ohio, Kansas, uh, New Mexico state but they're, you know, like five or six more outside of those two. So pretty cool. Um, obviously has tons of experience. I don't know anything about how he handles the D line. I don't know if we shift. I, I doubt we shift from a three man front or anything, uh, just because that's been such a, you know, just a staple in our defense for so long. So would be very surprised if that changed, but yeah, we've got a new defensive line coach, Jesse Williams. And then final note, um, also cool, cool thing. Um, Joe Gillespie, right? Defensive coordinator, won football scoops, linebackers coach of the year. Kelly Hines retweeted this, how I found out about it. Um, but yeah, linebacker coach of the year. It's pretty awesome. Um, he's obviously a, a hell of a coach, you know, uh, very much one of the best defensive coordinators in the conference. Um, probably the best now with Cincinnati's uh, leaving for wherever he went, I think Ohio State or something. Um, so Joe Gillespie, probably sitting on top of the conference in terms of best coordinators. Uh, but yeah, he won the best linebackers coach by by football scoop um and they talked about Zayvon collins obviously but they also mentioned the guys outside of him that have been so good so justin wright uh led the team in tackles right 63 tackles over nine games trayvon reeves fifth on the team 43 tackles uh and then just the defense in general and how good it was under him so good award for him he absolutely deserves it he's a hell of a coach uh but yeah now he has to step up more as a defensive coordinator make some good hires and see what we can do at the defensive back and uh, running back spot. I mean, running back wouldn't be under him, but defensive back certainly is. And then we just made that defensive line higher too. So big stuff for Gillespie. And that's all I had uh, to cover, Matt. Did you want to bring anything else up before we wrap it? 
I think uh, one thing I'm interested to talk about in the next couple of weeks, though, is uh, Bill Hastings had an article just about uh, Frank Haith this week, kind of comparing the end of his career to uh, Wojak's, you know, Oof. from back then, and just kind of like how that just kind of uh, relationship just kind of deteriorated. Well, I don't know if deteriorated is the great greatest word, but just ended. And so I don't know if it's worth talking about this week, but maybe next week at the end of the regular season, uh, just to feel, get a good conversation about what we want out of Frank Haith mm-hmm. and that decision. So, yeah, that sounds good. Put it in the notes. Cool. Um, all right. We will close it there. Also one quite quick, uh, quick note. If you do have any beer recommendations for me to go buy, then let me know. <laughs> I actually, you know, this is probably going to come out on Monday or Tuesday, so I will probably go buy them today, so maybe not. But anyways, send them to me anyway, just so I have them. Okay, if you like the show, um, make sure you subscribe to it, share it on Twitter or whatever social media you are on. Tell a friend about it. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. Really, we really appreciate that. Um, If you want to support us, you can find a couple different ways to do that. They're both on our website. Uh, You can go to thegoldenhurricast.com slash support to find those ways. And finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GoldenHurricast, all one word there. Or you can send us an email, and that email address is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Stay gold.